the Jets almost beat the Patriots on Monday Night Football, which would be bad for the tank. And we go over the reasons why it's suddenly starting to make it feel tough and difficult to think the Jets will finish with the worst record in the league and ultimately blow their chance at Trevor Lawrence. Sabo Radio, Friday after, well, four days after the Jets lost to the New England Patriots on Monday Night Football, and they almost won. It took Nick Folk, former Jet hero, new Jet hero, according to many fans, based on what happened Monday night with his 51-yard field goal. It took him, with no time left on the clock, to win the game. That's how close it was. And understand something, if the Jets lose and the Jags win, uh, reverse that. If the Jets win and the Jags lose, Jets are off this week. If the Jags lose, the next combination of a Jet win and Jags loss has them tied, but puts the Jags in front because of strength of schedule tiebreaker. That can change. But right now, it's not close. And Michael Nania did an article on the site, uh, a guide for the fans to um, know which teams to root for to get that strength of schedule advantage tiebreaker over the Jaguars. It's a hell of a lot of teams each week. So you definitely need that guide. And we'll run through that a little bit later. But first, the game. Uh, it's it's amazing what happens when all three receivers are healthy. Perriman, Mims, Crowder, Joe Flacco, looking like the Joe Flacco of old, a 128.7 quarterback rating, 262 yards, three touchdowns, 18 of 25 in the pocket. Of course, that one pick, which was killer. It was a premeditated play, premeditated throw, not what the Jets needed if you're if you're thinking about winning the game, that is. You know, it's always interesting getting into these situations. You know, you, you talk about what a certain team wants and wants to have happen, and then the fans have the exact opposite in mind because of that one guy at the end of the rainbow, end of the tunnel, Trevor Lawrence. So don't mix it up. When I say what the want, what the Jets want, the Jets want to win. You know, think about Joe Douglas. He's always preached culture. He, he'll be damned if anyone thinks he's tanking intentionally. Does he want Trevor Lawrence? Of course. But I think he's stubborn to the point and has the integrity to, to make sure that no one ever thinks that's actually happening. And from Monday night, you know, there's no way to think it is happening. The players played well. They they tried to win the game. The play calling was stellar. That's the shock of the year. You're, you're saying uh, a Jets offense, the play calling was stellar, but it was. This was the first game all season long where the Jets offense actually dictated terms. They actually have forced the opposing defense to adjust mid-game. 
All season long, defense is throwing out aggressive looks. Hard press, single high, soft press, single high. Strong safety on the edge, strong safety in the box. You know, you're not supposed to even press when, when you're single high. I mean, you, of course teams do it. You could bail, you could do a lot of things, but the frequency the Jets were seeing that look is an unheard of thing in the NFL. And game after game, week after week, the Jets did not make opposing defenses pay. The only game that kind of slipped through the cracks in that regard is the Denver game. And that's because Vic Fangio is a is a cover four, keep everything in front of you type of defensive mind. But other than that game, you know, it's been a no-show. And that's because the Jets didn't attack deep. They didn't take what the defense was giving them. You know, when a defense plays you in an insulting manner, you 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 make them pay. And finally, that was this is the first game the Jets offense actually did that. It helps to have all three receivers, no question about it. Mims looks tremendous. Uh, his route running, his catch radius, it looks pretty good. Perryman even. Some of Perryman's releases. Uh, speed off the line. Running a fade on that touchdown he dropped. Looked really good tremendous and Crowder we obviously know Crowder is a stud that catch in the corner on the corner route great Flacco played well the offensive line blocked well pass protected well um you know defense was wasn't great obviously and the reason the Jets lost this game is second half they only ran 15 plays total the Flacco interception did a lot to make that happen but the Patriots run game is really what won them the game in the second half. And for a while there, it looked like the Jets were going to win. And dreams of Trevor Lawrence were going to go down the tube. But that can still happen. And we'll talk about a little, little bit that a little bit of that later. In terms of the game, Gore, 46 yards, 12 carries. You know, not much happening on the ground. Perrine, 19 yards, 6 carries. Flacco, 262 yards. If they ran more than 15 plays, they would have put up more points and more yards. There's no question. The Pats never once stopped the Jets' offense in this game. The Jets just didn't have enough opportunity in the second half. That's all it was. Perriman, 101 yards, uh, five receptions, two touchdowns. Mims, four for 62. Ryan Griffin, a tight end sighting. Two for 28. Herndon, not in the box score. The struggling guy, struggling youngster coming back from injury. Bless Austin led the team with 12 tackles. Uh, One pass defensed. Basham had a good game. Two and a half tackles for loss. Uh, No sacks, right? No, yeah, no sacks. I think, I thought Huff was okay. He had a lot to deal with with Cam Newton running the ball. You know, you can't, can't crash you got to make sure you're you're manning up the quarterback on those read options i thought he was okay one play the first newton touchdown he recovered really nicely after crashing down a little too far uh you know ultimately it was his responsibility that scored the touchdown but his recovery from that crash was pretty impressive so you know the game you saw it, it it's not more of the same. It's a different Jets team, which has to make a lot of Jets fans nervous about the prospects of nailing Trevor Lawrence. 
Jacoby Myers, 169 yards on 12 catches. And I already did a quick film review on that last play. Newton and the Pats just attacked the Jets' inexperience. Bryce Hall, between Bryce Hall and Ashton Davis. Ashton Davis was in another zip code on that play. Bryce Hall was just not following. There was no second read in his area. Yet he let Myers freely in cut when there was no reason not to follow. On the ground, Damian Harris, 71 yards, 14 carries. Burkhead, 12 carries, 56 yards. Newton didn't really run wild. 16 yards for 10 carries, but he had those two touchdowns. Through the air, Cam Newton just cannot throw the ball. He shot put in the ball. 275 yards. No touchdowns, no picks, 27 to 35. And that's another reason why that last play was absurd. You know, Newton's not going to beat you over the top in that situation. Eight seconds left, one timeout. You know where he needs to go. He needs to get to the 40, 37, 35-yard line. So for Davis to be playing that deep, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you could go on the uh, Jet Sex Factory YouTube and check it out. For him to be playing that deep, it was just absurd. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that was a teaching point come Tuesday when they watched the film. So Jets fall to 0-9, first time in franchise history. The Rich Kotite 1-15, 96 squad started 0-8. A.J. Morrell ran wild in Arizona, game I remember as a kid, for 199 yards and a touchdown. Was it one touchdown or two touchdowns? I think it was just one. And they that was their only win of the season with Boomer Sison in Arizona. He didn't play that game, but he was on the Arizona sideline after playing three seasons for the Jets between 93 and 95. Like I said, this was the first time the Jets offense forced Bill Belichick or forced a defense this year to adjust. It's incredible. It hasn't happened until the ninth game, but this is where we are. And what happened was Belichick started aggressive, as every defense does against the Jets. And it makes sense. You know, the offense is not aggressive. Their yards per attempt was 4.6 coming into the game. The next closest team was at 5.5, the Eagles in Washington. That number is a lot different now. I think the Jets are in the fives now after Monday because they attacked deep and attacked deep and attacked deep and kept taking chances and chunks. And what happens when defensive coordinators play aggressively is it opens up one-on-one shots. The whole season, the Jets haven't been taking those for a variety of reasons. Lack of talent at the receiver position, lack of pass protection, Darnold, whatever he was doing. That didn't happen on this night. On this night, they started attacking deep. Uh, For example, the first drive was 11 plays, and Belichick ran a two deep on only one of those plays, one out of 11. The first drive ended in the Perryman drop. And while the Perryman drop was a bad play, the actual intent of the play served a serious purpose. Doesn't matter if the guy drops the ball. If the if weapons get routinely get behind defensive backs, everything changes. Everything becomes softer. It's human nature. Instead of a, you know, 3 yards off the ball, you're 5 yards. Instead of the free safety being Eight yards off the ball, he's 13 yards. That's just what happens. 
And of course, the play caller adjusts too. Second drive, they ran it. I think there was seven plays total. And Belichick ran a two deep or a one robber, three of those seven. Two deep twice and a cover one robber where the strong safety is not in the box. He's still in the secondary. And that happened once. So three times they played a, you know, non-aggressive defense, more casual, more safe out of seven plays. So Belichick's adjustments happened right, right after the first series. He quickly realized these receivers have speed. Their releases are, are working and they're beating his cornerbacks off the ball. And with that, he knew it was going to be a long night and he had to adjust and he had to start giving up some stuff underneath. And I mean, and that's, that's what football is. That's what play calling is. It's not rocket science. You, you just, it's, and until that adjustment happens, until you force the other unit to adjust, the chess match, the true chess match cannot start. But here, you know, if you're looking at the screen, if you're watching it on YouTube or Facebook, this was the first play of the game. And this is what the Jets have been seeing pretty much all season. Press here, single eye. On the other side, the corner's off the ball. Strong safety's in the box, sniffing around with the big boys. Most of the time, both corners are in press. This one is uh, just half, just one side. That quickly changed. The first play was a, the first real nice chunk play. It wasn't even a deep shot. It was a slant to Mims in which Flacco took his time. He had the flat option. It was a slant flat combo. He could have thrown the flat, but he waited. He knew it was a cover zero and he knew he'd have Mims on the slant. He knew he had the protection and he hit Mims on the slant. Scrolling down the Perryman drop, which pretty much changed everything over the course of the game and how Belichick was going to attack the Jets offense. Here is the first play of the second drive. After Belichick realizes, hey, these aren't the same receivers I've been seeing on tape all year. They actually have them healthy and on the field together. That Mims kid is pretty good. Perryman has some talent. Look at the Pats, too deep on first down. Yeah, you know, the one corner's impressed, but that's that's common. That's what you want to do when you're too deep. When you have two safeties over the top, you're going to play hard. Playing hard with just one safety is the really aggressive uh, way to approach it. And it's really insulting to play that hard with one single safety against an offense that often. You know, too deep. You're going to press, you're going to funnel inside if it's cover two, and then do your thing. Look for a second read in the flat curl or drop. Get depth. But once that first drive was over, okay, the Jets could start playing football. They could start taking stuff underneath. They could start running the ball. They could start feeling like they had breathing room for the first time all season long, other than the Denver game, which they had breathing room, but it wasn't from their doing. It was just Vic Fangio, the way he plays. 
Uh, second drive, you know, Gore, they hit, Flacco hits Gore on a dump off because everyone's deep. Everyone's playing soft. Worried about the over-the-top stuff. And that's a drive starter. That'll that'll get a drive going quickly. Third drive. Here it is. Look at the corners. Started and press early. Now they're soft. Now they're six, seven yards off the ball. Uh, the single safety is nearly 20 yards off the ball. 18, you know, 17, 18 yards off the ball. That's what you want to see. That's what you want to see. And it goes the same. It's the same thing for soft defenses like Fangio. You know, attack the underneath. Keep gaining yards. Nickel and dime them. Then you make them start to come up. Play more aggressively. Only then can you actually attack over the top and take chunks. But in this league, with the rules the way they are, you have to attack the one-on-one matchups. The odds are on your side. Defensive pass interference, uh, the receiver just beating the man flat out, it's just the way it is. Here, look at this. More too deep, this is a cover two. Look at how soft those two deeps are. Mims, in cut, great play. Big chunk play. So the Jets attacked an intermediate area with the Pats playing really soft. The very next play, Flacco hits Perryman for a touchdown. And what does Belichick do on the very next play after getting beat in, in, in the intermediate area? He goes from a too deep look back to, back to the aggressive stuff. Single high press. And here's how the Jets beat Belichick and this is play calling okay you're gonna go soft on me I'll hit you in the in in the intermediate you're gonna go hard on me all right I'll hit you deep for a 50-yard touchdown first and 10 the Pats just got burned on a cover two too deep with Mims on an in cut from the seam so Belichick goes screw it let's go back to the bread and butter against the Jets press hard single safety this is the touchdown to Brashad Perriman. Watch Perriman. There he is. Top of your screen. Facing a press. Watch his release. Watch where he goes. And then watch the stutter. We'll play it f- through full. Once shuffle. Right to the inside. Stutter. Gone. Flacco finds him. The safety was nowhere to be found. Because again, even though the Jets had started planting seeds in the defense's mind. That they were going to attack deep and take what they were giving them, which is the -the over-the-top stuff, watch the safety. He's still not fully buying into it. Immediately hops forward, looking for something over the middle, turns his body to the field side, completely ignoring Perryman, and Flacco sees it and throws a nice ball, kind kind of from a strange running position. We'll call it a veteran running position i guess that's the way veteran quarterbacks from the pocket era run but watch perryman watch the shuffle he's gonna get out of our screen for a bit but watch the shuffle cornerback outside leverage so he shuffles to try to square up the corner and he knows he's gonna take an inside track but he wants that shuffle to get him to hopefully get him a little more off balance and give him more of a give perryman more of a an advantage to the inside outside leverage shuffle shuffle there he goes he's out of the screen 
and then right up the gut. There he goes out of your screen, Flacco. There's that veteran on the run mobility. Touchdown, big play. And when I say veteran on the run mobility, I'm being kind. It's just, you know, Flacco. He's not going to beat many people in a foot race, ladies and gentlemen. But that that's the way this game went. The Jets came out with a different attitude, different mindset. And again, the receivers do help, no question. But it's the mindset that matters more. And here, later on, they, they try for a, a mim streak. It was pretty much the same play as the Perryman touchdown. Uh, outside shuffle, inside release, stutter, go route, incomplete this time. So credit the Jets. And here's the other thing. Once defenders start playing off the ball, you hit them with the drags. You hit them with the underneath stuff, the crossers. Look at this corner off the ball. That is absurd in a man situation. And the Jets did this with Mims and Perryman a couple of times on whether it was a drag, whether it was an over route. They did this a couple, maybe three times in the game, maybe a few times in the game. And they took advantage of their newfound space that they had which is interesting moving forward when you think about the Jets and against the Jags in terms of uh, the tank. Because it's, it's tough after this performance, the way they called this game with the health of the top three receivers. I'm starting to get the idea it's tough to believe that they're going to finish with the worst record in the league, as bad as their rankings are right now. And they're bad. They're legendary, legendary numbers. The Trevor Lawrence race rooting guide for the Jets' strength of schedule tiebreaker. Michael Nania wrote this, put this together. Basically, what, as a Jets fan rooting for the tank, what you want is you want the Jets' strength of schedule to finish as an easier strength of schedule with all 13 opponents, all 16 games, than the Jacks. And right now, it's not close. They need to make up, I think, uh... I don't even know what the numbers are. But here is what you have to root for. We'll get to the image here. Week 10. You want the Titans, the Washington football team, the Chargers, the Texans, the Cardinals, the Saints, and the Ravens to win. This is also including... um, No, it's not including the Jags. You also want the Jags to win as well. He didn't throw the Jags in there. That's the most obvious thing, the wins and losses. But uh, week 10, I just listed them off. Week 11, you want the Bengals, Texans, Lions, Titans, and Vikings. Week 12, you want the Texans, Cardinals, Vikings, Titans, Bengals, Chargers, Falcons, Saints, Bucks, and Eagles. Week 13, you want the Ravens, Titans, Steelers, Bengals, Texans, Giants, Chargers, Packers, 49ers. Week 14, Chargers, Vikings, Giants, Bengals, Texans, uh, Panthers. Colts, Washington, Pittsburgh, Ravens, Week 15, Chargers, Washington, Dolphins, Eagles, Saints, Cowboys, Titans, Packers, Broncos, Week 16, Vikings, Falcons, Texans, Ravens, Titans, Chargers, Lions, Week 17, Chargers, Steelers, Dolphins. So a lot of Chargers, a lot of Titans, some Lions. Chargers and Titans seem to be the big one. You got you want to root for them to win. 
And hopefully that'll bring the Jets closer to that strength of, of schedule tiebreaker because they're, they really might need it. Unless the Jets go winless, which I don't see happening. You know, it's obviously possible. They're the lead horse right now. They're the worst team. There's no question. But the way they played Monday night with the health of the receivers, I find it difficult to believe. Reasons it's difficult to believe the Jets will finish with a top pick. Here we go. What would stop them from going winless or one in 15? Even at one in 15, they're not safe because if the Jags go one in 15, lose out the rest of the way, strength of schedule goes with the Jags unless that changes. The trio of receivers, we already hit on it a little bit. Those three receivers in the lineup, that's not a bad situation by any means for any NFL organization. Mims looks like he could possibly be a number one in this league. At the very worst, a good number two. Crowder is one of the best slot guys around. And Perryman, he's always hurt. That's the key. If he gets hurt again, that could really go a long way for the tank. But if he's not hurt, he's he's a solid weapon, as we saw on Monday night. So having these this trio of receivers is a big-time thing for whoever's quarterbacking. And that fact is not getting enough attention as it relates to the Jets' Trevor Lawrence chances. You know, Perriman, 101 yards, two touchdowns. He could have three touchdowns if he hangs on to the ball. Um. To believe the Jets, you know, New England ranks, I know New England's defense is not the same and there was no Stephon Gilmore, but they still rank ninth in total pass defense in the league. And to see the Jets do what they did against that team, is pretty scary if you want Lawrence. Number two reason, the emerging defensive youth. Quinn and Williams, Foley Fatukasi, Bryce Huff, John Franklin Myers, These guys look tremendous. And the key with this is development ceilings are raised all across the defense if the defensive line is performing well. The same goes for the offense with the offensive line. The trench play lifts the development ceiling for all the other positions. It either lifts it or drops it. The trenches matter most. Uh, to everything else. It doesn't work the opposite way, uh, nearly to the same level. Quinnen Williams, we know about his progress this year. Foley Fatakasi, without Quinnen in a lineup, was a monster Monday night. The man now ranks ninth uh, by PFF with an 85.6 grade among all interior defenders in the NFL. Huff, undrafted free agent, Memphis, ranks third. Of all edge rushers, edge rushing rookies in the NFL. Third, and he wasn't drafted. And obviously, John Franklin Myers is still playing well. So, you know, the trio of receivers, the emerging defensive line, it's a, it's a little scary in terms of the Jets' prospects of losing the next and last seven games of the season. Reason number three, the schedule. The Jets' schedule up to this point has been brutal. Just completely brutal. The only three losing teams on 
the slate at a nine by the Patriots, the Broncos, and the Niners. And they're not the Jags. They're not the Bengals. They're losing teams with losing records, but they're not completely talentless or horrible. So the Jets at 0-9 are terrible, but they had a rough schedule up to this point. The Jags, on the other hand, haven't had a difficult schedule, and they're 1-7. They've lost to Houston twice, Detroit, Cincinnati, and the Chargers. Those are bad teams, and they've lost to all four of them, three of them, with Houston twice, all four games. And the rest of the way, the Jags' schedule is much more difficult than the Jets'. The only easy break for the Jags schedule is, who is it? Vikings. I think they're three and five, but the Vikings still have talent. They're still a solid team. So that's that's pretty incredible. Eight games left for the Jags, only one losing team. And it's the Vikings. For the Jets... The Patriots remain, the Chargers remain, and the Raiders remain. Raiders are 5-3, and three, but I still question their legitimacy. I don't know how good they are, truly. So in terms of schedule, previous, previously and moving forward, it's advantage Jaguars in both areas. The point is, we might not even know how bad the Jags are. They could be worse than the Jets, based on the Jets' injuries based on the schedule. That's a very concerning factor. And finally, why it's difficult to believe the tank might not lead to Trevor Lawrence is it's just not Joe Douglas's way. You know, you know, so far so good. He's been excellent with talent. Give him more time. I think he's the right guy. But as it pertains to tanking, or giving the giving any appearance that his organization might be tanking, he's just the type of guy who would want none of it. You know, stubborn in that regard, integrity filled, and I actually like that. You know, you got to understand, coaches and players can never tank ever. You know, they're independent contractors. Every game, there's only sixteen games a year. And every game means the world to these guys' careers. You can't throw away games. Players and coaches don't think that way. It just doesn't happen, which is why you saw both teams on Monday night trying to win. Belichick was not trying to lose. There's no question. There are some odd things about the game, you know, but when you have a bad team, odd things are going to happen. Jets, were they trying to lose? No shot. They were up 10 Late in the third quarter, the Flacco interception was a little strange. He premeditated it, but the safety who came over to make it double coverage, I see how Flacco missed him. It wasn't an easy thing to spot. So he thought it was one-on-one coverage, and at the very worst, the receiver would just knock it away, you know, make it an incomplete pass. But with Joe Douglas, he preaches culture. It's his religion and development only happens at the right pace if the culture is right. So players can never tank. Coaches can never tank. Gase is still employed. He hasn't been fired at the bye week. Fans are going to call that a tanking move, which it very well could be in the back of the mind of the Jets. 
um, in that area, keeping Gase for the full season. But it's not explicitly a means to tank. You know, after all, if it was, wouldn't Gase still be calling the plays instead of Loggins? He's not. They're trying to win football games. These guys are independent contractors who need every game and and need that platform uh, to show what they have. The front office, it's a little different. You know, with Indy, when Peyton Manning was out for the year, lost for the year, they, they played Curtis Painter. They could have had Carson Palmer. They could have had other quarterbacks, but they played a terrible quarterback purposefully to get Andrew Luck. The Jets can't do that in season. It would have had to have been an off-season move. I mean, at this point, they have Darnold and Flacco. What are they going to do, play James Morgan over the both of them? There's just no way. I mean, maybe maybe once or twice late in the season, but even then, I doubt it. You just can't throw a kid out there who's not ready. It just doesn't work that way. So I, I can't imagine Joe Douglas you know, doing anything to give any semblance that his organization is tanking. And that has to be concerning for the, you know, the, the tank fans as well. So Jets enter the bye week going nine. Jets fans rest easy watching football, competitive football, while your Jets uh, remain winless on the bye. You know, Thursday night actually was a good game, started off well. The week started off well with the Colts beating the Titans. It was a good game early. Second half got away from everybody. But enjoy the Sunday without the Jets. Dream of Trevor Lawrence. You know, get on your knees and pray for Trevor Lawrence. And if if you ask me, are the odds with the Jets to to uh, are the odds with the Jets to get Trevor Lawrence? Yes, they're still the lead horses. They're still the worst team. They're winless. You know, their rankings are putrid in so many regards. They're unprepared in many regards. But gun to my head, will they get the number one pick? I'd have to say no right now. Based on all the factors we discussed, it's it's very interesting. Based on last year, what they did after that 0-4 start, finishing 7-9. and I just see, and Douglas too, Douglas is drafting. His eye for talent is starting to surface and come through. So these kids are going to get better as the season goes along. So gun to my head, I would say it's not going to happen, which is going to be a massively disappointing thing for fans. And then that begs the question, what do you do at quarterback? Darnold, Fields, what do you do? So for now, enjoy the bye week. Check out JetsXFactor.com, Sable Radio at iTunes, JetsXFactor, Blue It's Blitz, Cool Your Jets at YouTube and everywhere podcasts are, iTunes, Spotify, uh, you know, the whole thing. So many platforms. I mean, at least 10 for sure. And, you know, continue to pray. Continue to pray for that Georgia native with the long hair that reminds everybody of sunshine from Remember the Titans. But keep it in the back of your mind that it's very, very possible and even likely it might not happen. Until next time. 